The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It does not constitute legal or other professional advice. No one connected with this podcast can be responsible for your use of the information discussed. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and do not represent the opinions of any other person or entity. These views are subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Welcome to Leap, Legal Issues in Policing, a podcast blending the demands of the book with the rulings from the bench through the lens of the bag. Police officers with a solid understanding of the law and their legal powers are more confident, competent, and effective. Each and every episode will examine a legal issue in policing by reviewing current Canadian criminal case law from coast to coast to coast. Be prepared to uncover a legal lesson that will improve your decision making. Now let's leap in. Hello everyone, my name is Mike Novakowski, your podcast host, and you are listening to Leap, Legal Issues in Policing. Every once in a while I go to the library and sign out a book. Recently I checked out a 2021 book entitled Cross-Examination, The Pinpoint Method authored by criminal defense lawyer Kyla Lee and published by LexisNexis. So I thought in this episode I would review some of what this book is about and also educate you in what you might encounter in the courtroom under cross-examination by a defense lawyer. Don't think of this so much as a book report, but a news report, alerting you to a stratagem you might face while testifying in court. The purpose of this trial tactic is to humiliate you and shake your confidence. It was the book's heading, Police Witness Setup, that caught my attention. And this is some of what it said, quote, When crafting questions for police witnesses, always write a question or two, including a large and obscure word that the officer does not likely know. I will often ask officers about their training to do something contemporaneously or whether something was done extemporaneously. The benefit of asking a question that incorporates an uncommon word is that the police officer may not know the word. About 60% of police officers I have cross-examined do not understand the word contemporaneously when I ask them about doing something contemporaneously. 100% of judges and opposing counsel do understand the word. The benefit of using a word or two that the officer does not know early on in the cross-examination is that the officer will inevitably have to ask you to define the word for them. This makes the officer feel small and less smart than you. They feel like they are the only person in the courtroom who does not know the word. If you are lucky, the judge will interject and define the word for the officer, further adding to the humiliation. This gives you control over the witness and shakes any confidence they have without being aggressive or living up to any of their preconceived expectations about how the cross-examination is going to go, end quote. I don't know what research was done that demonstrates all judges and opposing counsel, all 100% of them, know the meaning of contemporaneously and that only about 40% of police officers do. But I know Judge Christopher Sabella of Florida's 13th Judicial Circuit Court does. Listen to the following audio clip I'm about to play and see if you hear the word contemporaneous used. And see if you understand the context in which the judge used it in the recent sentencing proceeding of Stephen Lorenzo, who brutally murdered two men. From one Italian to another. Tifandano a morte. That translates to, I sentence you, Mr. Lorenzo, to death. That is the punishment that you deserve for these horrific crimes. My reasoning is explained in a 40-page order that I have prepared and signed and am filing contemporaneous with this sentence. It will be handed out to the defense and the state now. You were previously adjudicated. You shall be transferred to the Department of Corrections to await your execution. I don't know if you caught the word contemporaneous in the judge's deliverance of the death sentence, but let me play it again in case you missed it. My reason is explained in a 40-page order that I have prepared and signed and am filing contemporaneous with this sentence. The judge was simply alerting the listener that he was, at the same time as he delivered his oral judgment, 
releasing a 40-page written judgment. If you didn't know what contemporaneous or one of its derivatives meant, I think you now know. I can't remember ever being asked a question by a defense lawyer incorporating the word contemporaneously or to define the word while I was testifying in court. But if I didn't know what it meant, I don't think I would feel humiliated. I don't think it would make me feel any less of myself. And certainly it wouldn't put me off my game, especially if I knew that was the intent of the question. But I do remember using the word once myself. I was on the stand as an arresting officer in relation to an impaired driving investigation. The defense lawyer asked me this question. Constable, is it against the law to drink and drive? My response was, yes. Then the lawyer pounced. Constable, he said. You mean to tell me that I can't have a glass of wine with dinner and get in my car and drive? Well, I thought about that question for a moment and I replied. You, sir, asked me if it was against the law to drink and drive. With these two actions, the drinking is occurring contemporaneously with the driving. It is against the law in British Columbia under the Liquor Control and Licensing Act for a driver, while driving or exercising control over a motor vehicle, to possess open liquor in it. In order to be drinking and driving at the same time, the liquor in the driver's possession would have to be open in order for the driver to consume it. You did not ask me if it was against the law to drink, then drive. That is a different question. Well, the cross-examination abruptly ended on that line of questioning. No surprises there. Later, after reflecting on this brief exchange, I theorized about what the lawyer was trying to accomplish by asking the initial question. I think he was trying to set me up. Remember, this was an impaired driving case. As the arresting officer, I needed to establish reasonable grounds for my belief that the accused was impaired. I figured the lawyer was trying to convince the judge that whenever I found someone driving a vehicle, after consuming any amount of liquor, I would believe they were impaired. Of course, recent consumption or even an odor of liquor coming from a driver's breath by itself would not be enough for an impaired driving arrest or an evidential breath demand. An approved screening device demand, yes, but an approved instrument, no. I believe the lawyer was trying to undermine my grounds. He was trying to make it appear as if I would have arrested anyone who may have consumed any amount of alcohol and then drove. But it didn't turn out so well for the defense lawyer. His client was convicted. In hindsight, maybe I did lose my patience a bit with the lawyer, and I don't think a courtroom is a place to play word games, but it does happen. Now back to the book. If you don't know the meaning of a word, who cares? I've testified on the stand before and used police jargon. The lawyer or judge didn't know what it meant and asked me to explain. Never once did I think the lawyer or judge was somehow less smart because they didn't speak my lingo. If you don't know the meaning of a word, say so, but don't guess at it. Your response to a question using a word you do not understand could be entirely different than the answer you would have given had you known the correct meaning. As a cop, I always thought my role was to accurately and fairly testify to the facts as I remembered them. But never once did I feel the need to humiliate anyone or make them feel less of themselves. I suppose using tactics to make other people feel small says more about them than about you or me. But now you know, some lawyers will deliberately try to humiliate you in front of the judge. At least that is how some are being taught. And they do this to shake your confidence as a witness. If you know that's the goal, don't fall for it. There's absolutely no reason for you to feel small, dumb, or humiliated just because you are not familiar with a word. You have many more important things to do than become a logophile, like saving lives and protecting the very people who may want to humiliate you in court. Go figure. If you don't know what a logophile is, don't worry about it. I'll tell you what it means. A logophile is a word buff, someone who loves learning obscure, rare, and new words and using them. 
It comes from two Greek root words, logos, meaning speech or word, and phylos, meaning friendly. Here are a few quick tips for testifying in court offered online by the BC government. Number one, only answer the question asked. Number two, listen carefully to the question. Wait until the lawyer has finished speaking before you answer. Number three, ask for clarification if you do not understand the question. Number four, do not exaggerate, guess, or use words that are unclear. If you are unsure about something, clearly say so. I would ask about the meaning of a word if I didn't understand it. Number five, take as much time as you need to consider your answer. I would say don't rush. Slow things down. Not only do you need to be tactical on the street, be tactical in the courtroom. Think about your response. Thinking is an undervalued exercise for some police officers. Number six, look at the judge or jury when answering. Number seven, speak clearly and slowly so everyone can hear your answers. And finally, number eight, behave respectfully. Do not be sarcastic, lose your temper, joke or argue with the lawyers. Of course, there is much more to testifying than these few points, but they are still good tips. As a parting thought, just in case you somehow feel not as smart as all of the lawyers and judges who apparently know what contemporaneously means, let's look at the word. Contemporaneously is the adverb of contemporaneous, which according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary can mean existing, occurring, or originating during the same time. Synonyms for contemporaneous include simultaneous, concurrent, and synchronous. I would love to see modified spelling bee rules used in court when such a question is asked. I don't know if you've ever watched a spelling bee contest, but the speller can ask the judge certain questions. For example, the speller can request a definition for the word, ask it be used in a sentence, or ask which part of speech it is, its language of origin, or alternate pronunciations for it. So here's how similar rules might play out in court between counsel and a cop if modified spelling bee rules could be used. And I'll start with the lawyer asking the question, followed by the officer. Officer, can you tell me what contemporaneously means? Can you spell it for me? Contemporaneously. C-O-N-T-E-M-P-O-R-A-N-E-O-U-S-L-Y. Contemporaneously. Can you use it in a sentence? With a flashlight in one hand and an approved screening device in the other, the officer failed to contemporaneously make notes about the process while he obtained a roadside breath sample in his efforts to keep the motoring public safe from the death and destruction occasioned by impaired drivers. What word class does it belong to? Contemporaneously is an adverb. Contemporaneous is an adjective, while contemporaneity is a noun. What is its origin? It's Latin. Com, meaning together plus tempus, meaning time, plus aeneas, which is a suffix usually indicating a relationship of position or origin. Can you use it in another sentence? The officer did not make his notes contemporaneously with his application of force when he heroically tackled the armed robbery suspect and struggled with him to gain control of the dangerous situation. I heard about a book that said 100% of all judges and lawyers know what the word means. So why are you asking me? So there it is. Now what about the word? extemporaneously. Another large and obscure word a defense lawyer might ask you about in an effort to humiliate you. Well, it's the adverb for extemporaneous, meaning composed, performed, or uttered on the spur of the moment. It has also been defined as done or said without any preparation or thought, as in an extemporaneous speech. Synonyms include impromptu, offhanded, and unplanned. Finally, I will leave you with this quote attributed to the legendary leader Mahatma Gandhi. It has always been a mystery to me how people can respect themselves when they humiliate others, end quote. I think I've said enough. 
If you think this podcast would interest others, please share it. And if you have a topic you would like discussed in a future episode, you can email me at legalissuesinpolicing at gmail.com. That's legalissuesinpolicing at gmail.com. Or maybe you feel like providing me with some feedback. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. And remember, be careful what you practice. You might get good at it. Be smart and stay safe.